0: And we are live. This is Canada Hoops Daily Presents Wrap It Up Podcast. My name is Sheldon Alexander coming to you live as we do after each and every Toronto Raptors game. So thank you for tuning in. Raptors win, Raptors win two in a row. 107 to 104. Your Raptors beat the Houston Rockets, a revenge game. Like for a game that first off raptors rockets you think fred van fleet return game and fred's Elt. and so you're kind of thinking well maybe there might not be that many storylines anymore heading into this game well 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 we had an appearance from the new guys they're in the building they're in uniform they didn't check in it's still cool to see kelly and abaji in the building that's cool see them on the bench also cool raptors getting another win dylan brooks mr canada clutch i mean i guess if kelly's captain canada rj is rj shea is shea what do we call dylan brooks after his performance for team canada we'll simmer on that but a great performance for dylan brooks back in the six as well big night for the toronto raptors though as they win as mentioned 107 to 104 lots going on in this one as mentioned i am sheldon alexander thank you for tuning into this the wrap it up podcast brought to you by canada hoops daily and we are here as we are on the youtube page at canada hoops daily if you are watching that video right now on youtube subscribe like all that fun stuff same thing goes for the Instagram page. Blessed with the like, blessed with the follow. Make sure you follow along on the socials for Canada Hoops Daily. Lots more coming that way. Also, one more place you can follow us that would be on the app formerly known as Twitter at Can Hoops Daily. That's how you follow along with the pod live and interact, send in your comments and questions. I see the people already coming in to the pod with their questions and comments, and we love it. So we appreciate that. I'll go through the game, which won't really be too much because I want to save some time to talk about the trades and the bigger picture because I didn't really get much of a chance to do that. Lots going on in Raptor land as yeah, the last few games, I mean, we had a six game run straight on sports. so I was super busy the last little while, obviously wasn't able to get a pot up in talking about the trades so we'll do that here we'll talk a bit about this game obviously as it was an interesting one but lots to talk about in raptor land for sure so of course if you are in the chat now send in your comments and questions we'll get to that for sure let me know what you think of the trades the direction of the team right now how the team looked tonight what do you think of kelly coming home ochai what do you think Bruce Brown is still in Toronto. Spencer Dimwitty, Thad Young, Dennis Schroeder, lots going on. So don't hesitate to send in your comments and questions. And of course, if you ever miss a podcast live, we got you covered on Apple and on Spotify. All you got to do is follow Canada Hoops Daily. I'm going to turn down the music here. We're going to get to the game now because there's lots going on. Lots going on in Raptor land. As mentioned, two wins in a row. I mean, a lot of talk about pizza. That's been a thing. I know. I like how Darko's, which hasn't come up in a while, right? The whole uh, dinner team dinner. If they win three in a row, we haven't heard much about that lately because they weren't really close to winning three in a row for a while. There were bigger things at hand, but You know, two in a row, Raps got a second night of a back-to-back against the Cavs tomorrow. But I want to say about this game, for me, right away, it seemed like the Raptors were really happy to be home. They had a little pep in their step. The energy was there. They seemed a little more hype. And I thought that was really cool because they've been on the road for a long time. You heard RJ talk about it after the last game, how excited he was to be back home. Because he almost forgot what it feels like because it had been that long. Now, the Raptors coming back home, it's, it's interesting in, in multiple different ways because you're seeing a different team. It almost seems like you know it's a new team, and then you get used to that team and what that rotation is, and then now the team changes again, and at least now you have an idea of what the team will look like for the rest of the year. And I think that's pretty cool to finally be at that spot if you are the players on this team. So let's start off here, right? It's cool to see Freddie back in the building, of course. Fred Van Fleet, one of the GOAT Raptors in terms of just all-time Raptors who will get that standing ovation each and every time he comes back because, of course, Raptors fans love Fred Van Fleet, as they should. They watched him grow. They know the story of Freddie. And just the grind from being undrafted to then becoming, you know, such a key force behind the championship team, you know, I think that's really cool. It's really cool to see. And I think that, you know, Fred Van Fleet's role and how it all played out, like the ending, you know, the separation, the divorce, the breakup never really goes well. So there's all these like little underlying things about, you know, was there a difference between, you know, the the vets and the start the vets and the young guys last year? All that fun stuff. And really bottom line is, you know, that Raptors team had its run. That era of Raptors basketball had its run. And it was just time for everyone to move on and that's okay. And I think now, you know, we come almost full circle. It's almost perfect that Fred's here And it's just after the trade deadline when the Raptors have settled into what their team will officially be going forward, at least for the end of this season. Because I feel like so much was in flux. You know, even after Pascal got traded and OG got traded, then it was okay, well, what's going to happen with Bruce Brown? What other young pieces are you going to be able to fit in? All these questions, right? And it's so interesting to me that Freddie is here. While now it's like, okay, this is officially the next era of Raptors basketball. I think that's interesting and interesting stuff too, is Freddie, you know, of course he got a standing O and that's awesome because he deserves that. And that's pretty cool. He talked this morning about how, you know, obviously he wished he could have played, but the, the training staff was, you know, he he tried to go at the training staff to let him play, but didn't really, you know, wasn't a good idea overall. But I did love this quote that Freddie said this morning where he was talking about his son and he said, quote, whether I want to or not, my son makes me watch Raptors games. He's always asking when the Raptors are playing, we watch games on a daily basis. (laughs) I think that's pretty funny. And also just a reminder that these guys are humans, right? And there's such a human element to this business and we forget We forget so often because, of course, it's a business. We know we get reminded of that all the time. I get it. But it's cool when you hear these things that, like, you know, his his son grew up here, right? (laughs) His son has spent the majority of his life as a Canadian. So, and obviously, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that Fred Jr. will always be remembered forever as playing a key role in turning around the Raptors playoff series. And I'm saying that, and I can't even say it with a straight face. Like I'm chuckling, but if you go back to what happened when that series was going down and Fred just came back like a man on fire in that series after the birth of his son. And I think like, it's just such a funny full circle moment all in all, but yeah, Shouts to Fred glad I'll always rep Fred Van fleet. I will argue for Fred Van fleet for any Raptors fan that was super salty about Freddie last year and how it ended. Cause you know, I think Freddie is a leader. Freddie is a guy that is about winning. And I think that matters. And I think those are the intangibles that as we fall in love with stats and the stat nerds taking over all sports talk, I feel like Freddie is a player where the intangibles matter and you know that someone just said, so what are you? I don't know if that's in reference to me saying the stat nerds taking over. Am I a stat nerd? <laughs> I don't know. Let me see MC Maestro. or so what are you? Are you talking about me talking, asking about the stat nerds? I don't know. Oh no, sorry. I think they're having a conversation in the chat. That's funny. <laughs> that's amazing. That's so good. There's a argument going on right now in the chat and just the timing of the comment saying, so what are you made me think that they were talking about me calling up the stat nerds, taking over the league, but no, there's just beef right now going on in the chat. Wow. Yeah. I mean, join in the chat, take it, take a look at the chat if you want to see what's going on there. Cause it looks like, you know, there's an argument there. We'll we'll get there though. We'll get there. But in terms of Van Fleet, I know I got sidetracked there, but in terms of Van Fleet, like he is still a reminder of what leadership is, what intangibles are, and even just see what he's brought to this Rockets team, right? This Rockets team isn't that talented. We saw them as like a bottom basement team last year, and even though it's not like they're a great, 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 great team, they're much improved, which I think is a goal, right? Uh Scrambles checks in and says Stat Nerd is a step below over opinion analyst. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. I you know one day when we have time to fully like stretch out on this and talk about it more like the whole Stat Nerd thing is so interesting to me because I just feel like when I say that and it's in reference to all sports it's happening in all sports but I just don't like the way that the stats are trying to remove like the the diehard stat nerds will tell you that like momentum is not a thing. And to me, it's like, well, you just never played sports because you can't ever tell me that a two pointer is a two pointer. Like there's a big difference between someone hitting a mid range jumper wide open and someone getting dunked on. You can't tell me that if someone gets dunked on, that doesn't have a different effect on the rest of the team and on the dude that just got dunked on. Like there's an effect to what just happened (laughs) and analytics doesn't take that into account. So first off, the people still going back and forth in the chat, let's uh, calm things down here and I think you guys should chill out and keep the language, you know, respectable here. I don't know what you guys are doing, but chill out or someone will be removed for sure. But let's talk about this game. Let's talk about this game. Raptors win 107-104. Emmanuel Quickly, this might be one of the better games we've seen from Emmanuel Quickly since he's been in a Raptor uniform. And I really think he started off well and he was just aggressive. And when he's playing free, that's when he's playing his best. And I feel like for the last few weeks, what we've seen over and over again from quickly is sort of like a hesitation, right? Sort of like he's stopping and thinking, and he doesn't know if he's going full speed to drive to the basket or if he's surveying the area to try to make a pass. But in this game, he was just aggressive and getting his right. Right. You remember a couple of weeks ago where Darko was saying he wants quickly to play free. He wants quickly to be putting up like 10 threes a game, which for the record, I think that's a little extra, but I understand the point he's trying to make when he's aggressive and he, you have the ultimate green light, right? Like, especially now everyone else is gone. Like it's quickly, it's RJ, it's Gary Trent and Scotty Barnes. Those dudes are taking the shots. So, tonight quickly led the team in field goal attempts with 19 and nine threes. That's just him being aggressive, finished with 25 points. He was a plus 21 in this game, which is pretty interesting. And I mean, you look at the plus minuses here on this team, and like Scotty was a minus two in this game, which is very weird. A weird scoring night for Scotty, but a good night overall because I think Scotty did a bunch of other things that show why he is a super talented player right um but yeah quickly i think god got the raps going early same thing with rj barrett rj just a super efficient another great game from rj barrett rj barrett with 21 points in this game but the thing that we've been so impressed by in terms of rj barrett this I mean, since he's come to the Raptors is the efficiency that he's scoring with. So 21 points, seven assists for RJ, which means he's moving the ball as well, but five rebounds, but eight of 12 from the floor. And Alvin talks about it all the time. The fact that RJ's decision-making and going downhill and he's confidently going downhill. There's no messing around in RJ's game. He's getting the ball and he has one idea in mind and that's getting to the cup. And Credits to Darko for putting him in the position to succeed, but also giving him the mindset to gas him up that like, hey, when you get the ball, you go. We have the confidence in you to do that, to make that happen. And RJ has stepped up. He's been so efficient since coming to the Raptors team. And no matter what's going on in terms of the game, as soon as RJ starts getting his touches, the Raptors start playing better. And that's been a continuous Thing since he has donned the Raptors uniform. It's super interesting to me to see because constantly we're hearing all this stuff from New York, you know, and Knicks fans about, you know, how bad RJ is or how like he's not that developed, you know, but I think from what I've seen from RJ and maybe it's just a matter of fit, you know, and style of play and, you know, how he was getting his touches in Toronto now, as opposed to what it was in New York. But overall, RJ's been incredible. He has been incredible so far in a Raptors uniform. And I think just being free of just the pressure, like it's tough to explain, but that pressure of, hey, you got to stand in the corner and be this defensive guy. And that's not really RJ's game, but stand in the corner and hit these threes. And now all we're seeing him do is drive to the basket. Those opportunities weren't really there, especially when you consider the style of play that the Knicks play, where the paint is clogged, right? Like Randall's down there, whether it's Hartenstein or Mitchell Robinson, like the paint is clogged. There's not that much room for RJ to drive around. And they talked about it on the broadcast too. You know, you'll take the odd charge. You'll take the odd turnover because I like the mindset overall. That's what's been so key to RJ's success, the mindset of everything going downhill, everything with a purpose. And it's not even just scoring, right? Because look at that efficient number that we talked about, but he also had seven assists in this game. That to me is showing that RJ Barrett, he's not just like locked in on his scoring numbers. He's not just locked in on trying to get his, he's making the right basketball play. And I think that's huge if you're a Raptors fan. Now, I'm gonna take a second here and I'm gonna call myself out. I'm gonna call myself out as someone doing a Raptors podcast and doing a recap of this game, in which the Raptors won 107-104 and taking this long. We're what 20 minutes into this pod, and I've not mentioned Jakob Pertle's name. That's embarrassing by me. I I'm I'm I feel bad for myself. I'm calling myself out. Right, Because the game that Jacoperto had was just incredible. His energy that he played with was incredible. One thing I want to give credit to as well is Darko. Because I feel like clearly, we're seeing it in the post games, right? Darko talked about how in the last game against Memphis, right? How, oh, it wasn't Memphis. Who did the Raptors just play on like two nights ago? I like that I'm drawing blanks here on games that I worked on. Just because it's been a constant, like, just game every other night. And now I'm like blanking and confused over who the Raptors have just played. It was the Hornets. Wow, that's terrible on my part. But the point I'm making here (laughs) is that in that game, Darko calling out the Raptors for just a lack of defense, just not being engaged at all. And RJ, you heard from RJ say, yeah, like he he really let us have it. Darko said he used his soft Serbian voice, right? <laughs> and RJ said, yeah, we responded. And when a mild-mannered coach like that really gets emotional, it's going to get you. It's going to get a reaction. And credit to Darko because I feel like you're hearing RJ talk about, hey, how that they responded to that. Now, I say all that because Jakob Pertl, If we go back to the game just a week ago against the Houston Rockets, one of the biggest problems for the Raptors was that they got dominated in the paint. And mind you, it was Yaks first game back. So, you know, he's going to take some time to get used to getting his bearings and just getting back into game shape. Right. But nonetheless, the Rockets were dominant. was dominant in that game against the Toronto Raptors. And I feel like Yak, you know, there had to be a conversation. Yeah, uh, obviously, Darko talks a lot about how they'll watch film. He'll sit down with different players and let them watch film to go over things that they, you know, could be doing better. And if we go to just a week ago, Shen 24 points, 13 rebounds, 8 assists. That right there, you look at that and you think, Okay, well, we know it's it's even if, even if that's a first game back for Yak, six points, five rebounds in 20 minutes, right? Doesn't really cut it. So a week later, we know Darko enough at this point to know that he's coming in with what the focal point is from the other team and what the Raps need to fix from their last meeting. I don't think it's a coincidence that we saw a dominating performance from Jakob Pertl in this game. 16 points, 11 rebounds, but six blocks. And not even so much about the blocks, even though six blocks in a game is an insane number. But I also just think his impact, like how many times did you see Pertl get on the floor trying to get a loose ball? Or even just battling in the paint, trying to, you know, just putting a body on Shen Goon, making his life difficult. I just gave you Shen Goon's number from a week ago in this game. 7.7 7 rebounds. 3 of 7. Like, what a complete flip of the script. And credit where credit is due. And Yak, you heard him in the post game talk about how, you know, you've seen, like, there's been so much changes. So many different things going on the last little while and to to finally like kind of settle in and you know having a brand new team essentially again for him it's like you you kind of get to exhale and kind of relax and be like okay well at least now i know this is what it is and that's a that's work and one thing you know if you if you're an OG listener to the pod you know there's certain stats that i always pay attention to cuz they tell how engaged you are in the game 13 rebounds Obviously, the six blocks as mentioned, but he had three assists and three steals as well. So six blocks and three steals and 13 rebounds for Jakob That's a monster, monster game. Like what a performance in terms of just, you know, battling, grinding, because we'll get to the trades in a bit, but a lot of people are wondering, you know, how come they kept Bruce Brown? You were anticipating Bruce Brown being on the move, or you're trying to also figure out what a brings to the Raptors. You need some other pieces on your team. Like the, the Raptors need to balance out their roster, right? So you have Scotty, you have quickly, you have RJ, their style of play. You know, even though you see them banging and crashing into the lane is, in terms of Scotty and RJ for sure. But you need some grinders. You need some toughness. You need some sandpaper. I know this sounds like I'm almost getting into the, <laughs> the old uh, Don Cherry, good Canadian boy chat. But what I really mean though is like you just need some balance of your roster, right? You need some guys who are not just focused on their shots because listen, quickly, RJ, Scotty, Gary, those guys are worried about shooting. You need some other guys who will contribute to your team in different ways. And for Yakuperto to put up a stat line like that, being like the only real, I mean, yeah, Jonte got some minutes, played 11 minutes. And the hope is Kelly can come in and give you some backup minutes at center for sure. But for all intents and purposes, Yak is your only center. And so that's a lot of tough minutes for him. And he delivered. I think that part's really cool to figure out that, you know, what he can provide to you, what he's able to bring to the table on a nightly basis. Because Jakob Pertl, you know, we know that he was brought here because of what the Raptors thought they were getting, you know, or the place that they thought they were trying to get to last year with OG, with Fred, with, you know, Pascal. And it didn't work out that way. And now he's in the middle of what is a rebuild, and he just put his hard hat on and went to work. Just want to give credit where credit is due because that's a massive game and a great game from Jakob Purtle. Just doing a little bit of everything. And I mentioned Scotty Barnes while we're here and we're talking about you know just those stat lines or those numbers that tell you just how engaged someone was in the game. You know, people are going to look at Scotty's numbers, and I know there's been a lot of talk because. His, his scoring isn't as high as it was, you know, early on in the season or even, you know, since I'll point out the, the tipping point in my mind, but is once OG left because once OG left, that meant Scotty had to get a lot of the top perimeter defense matchups. And so he has to exert a lot of his energy guarding some of the top players in the league. That's going to be hard for you to do that and score at a high level. There are very, very few people in the league that have that responsibility of scoring at a high level and also being the guy to play lockdown defense on the other team's top perimeter guys. There's not that many people in the league that do that. In fact, I would say it's probably like less than five. You know? So this also leads to okay, well, you can look at the scoring number, see the scoring's down, but Scotty Barnes, two blocks, two steals, eight assists, 10 rebounds. He's able to contribute in so many different ways that it was almost, you know, it's a gift in the curse. It's like you you fall, you fall on the fact or you rely so much on the fact that he's able to do all these things that like you don't allow him to master one because we still don't know. Like is Scotty your point guard, your backup point guard, <laughs> right? Because quickly is the only true point guard on the team as of now. So is Scotty the backup? You know, and it it's so interesting when you think about what Scotty Barnes can deliver because he can do a little bit of everything. And you know, I I have the conversation a lot about what Scotty Barnes is or what we project him to be, and a lot of it is the way that I think this team is built right now. And do I think this is the the team next year? You know, are are you relying on these three guys to go forward as your leaders and build? I don't know. Right. Like we'll, we'll see that. Like that's what the near future is at least. But in terms of like, who's the guy, who's the man. Like, I don't see Scotty Barnes as being that dude. I don't think he's wired that way, but what he is wired like is a do it all, like high-end basketball player. Like we've turned everything into, you're either the best, like you're LeBron, you're Giannis or you're trash. And that's not the case, right? And Scotty Barnes can do so many different things on a basketball court that I don't think we need to force him being the leader, right? There's a huge, there's so many things that we as fans, when you sit and watch a basketball game that you think you know, that you have no idea about. And as someone who works in the media, and I work in sports media, and I've done the job where you got to go there, you stick your mic in the in the scrum, and, and you do that post-game and practice and all that fun stuff, morning shoot-around, like that job, from the player standpoint, that's a lot of responsibility. And I think one thing that Masayu Ujiri has done and Bobby Webster has done that's been a very good idea is that, Even if Scotty is your guy going forward, they've now put a bunch of other guys around him that can take questions. So that it's not all on Scotty Barnes to step up and be that guy in the media every single day. Because you got RJ now, you know, Quick can take a lot of those questions as well. Obviously those three guys, we know that's the core going forward. But also I think bringing Kelly in as well. Kelly will be that vet That's in the locker room, but also someone who can take all those questions, you know, take some of the burden off of, you know, Scotty Barnes, because it gets tough. I'm uh, listen, I'm someone my job is I put together the opening teases, you know, the opening montages for the pregame show and the game broadcast. Right. And so within that job, part of what I do, so you're watching all the postgame clips the practice sound, all the pressers, every day. And one of the things, one of the things why I'm so passionate about what Fred Van Fleet brought was because I listened to Fred talk about basketball every single day. And that guy loves basketball, but he also loves leading. And that is such an important part of your team who has to go out there and face the music when they know the media is waiting to crush them. And so, I say all that to say Scotty Barnes, the pressure that everyone's pushing on to him to be the man, to be the face, to be the leader, like just let the man play, let the man cook. He doesn't have to be center stage all the time. He doesn't have to be, you know, he has to dominate the ball in crunch time or winning time or whatever. Scotty Barnes can fit in so nicely once you start to put the right pieces around him. And this leads me to our next topic of discussion, which is the trades. And so a lot of people, right? And part of this is on the media, right? And I'm saying that as someone that works in the media. So follow me here. It's the way that we report the trades. So the way the headline comes out is that the Raptors traded a first-round pick for Kelly Olanick. Kelly Olanick's coming back to Toronto. He's coming to Toronto. He's coming home. Captain Canada, Right. And that's what the headline says. And of course, I get it, right? Kelly Olenek, he's from here. He's he's Canadian. He's from Kamloops. He reps Kamloops hard. Obviously, we know he spent a lot of time in the Toronto area. He told us about how his parents worked for the Raps at different points of his youth as well. He played for Scarborough Blues, right? So I get why that is a headline. But this is why media matters. <laughs> And something more than a tweet matters, something more than a headline matters. And I'm saying that and I'm chuckling because I'm trying to like mask, mask and also stop myself from getting into a what's wrong with media and why we're crushing the media isn't a good idea because the media plays a whole important role. And I'm trying to stop myself from going on this rant while also going on this rant, but I'm going to rate it back in because the point I'm trying to make here is that the headline Of Kelly Olenek coming back home. Cool. We get that. But the real story of this trade, you didn't give up a first round pick for Kelly Olenek. What the Raptors did was they gave up their 2024 first rounder, which was the the latter one, right? Like the worst of the first rounders that they had in this year's draft, right? Which currently was projected to be number 28, right? So you're taking the 28th, draft pick from this year's draft, and he traded that for Ochai Abaji, who was a lottery pick in last year's draft. So remember, one of the things I talk about all the time on this pod is about Masai Jiri being about asset management. So when you look at this trade just from that perspective, right, you're taking a late first rounder and turning it into a lottery pick from just last year right so you think about it 2022 pardon me it's a 2022 draft with Abaji but my point is it's asset management and you're moving from a late first rounder to a lottery pick and Abaji you know obviously it's not like his his numbers are going to like jump out of the gym at you right But the reality is that the Utah Jazz, when you take a look at their roster, they have a lot, a lot, a lot of young pieces on their team that are all fighting for minutes. And so it's going to be tough. You know, they're also trying to figure out, are they trying to win? Are they trying to, to, you know, use their, their full bouquet of first round picks that they still have? They don't really know what they're doing, right? They really don't. And so to get someone from the 2022 NBA draft lottery, to me, it just is such a smart move. It's a classic Masai Ujiri move. Again, where we're talking about asset management. You're talking about someone who is a four-year senior at Kansas, someone who won a national title at Kansas, which means winning matters. You're also talking about someone who... From everything you hear is just a great, great kid, which means that's a culture, right? Because you're trying to also build a culture with this young core coming up, right? But you're bringing in someone from a winning basketball program at Kansas, someone who won at Kansas. You're bringing in someone who is young, but also someone who has a defensive mindset as well. And so what were we just talking about? We're just talking about the fact that Scotty Barnes, since OG has left, Scotty Barnes has had to take on a lot of responsibility guarding the other team's best player. Well, guess what? Maybe Abaji can take on some of those matchups. And it might not be right now, it might not be right away, but maybe next year. Right? Maybe the year after. But it's another piece that fits with the timeline, the timeline of Scotty of IQ, and of RJ. And he also fits in the sense that, hey, you can play him with those guys, and he's not someone that needs the ball to contribute in a positive manner to the rest of your team. To me, it makes sense. And you also have to then ask yourself, Okay, do you think that what you would be able to draft at 28 in this year's draft where everyone's telling you this draft isn't good and you know I've had my take on that where you know it matters about your scouting and how good your scouting team is but the 28th pick are you going to draft someone better than Abaji or if I were to tell you that hey in this year's draft they drafted Abaji the prospect that he was coming out of college These are the things you got to think about. That's how you got to look at this deal. It's not about the Raptors giving up a first round pick for Kelly Olenek. Kelly Olenek, the Kelly Olenek part of this deal, the Kelly Olenek part of this trade is really Otto Porter Jr. and Kyra Lewis Jr. Does that make sense? So when the the, the trade is explained to you like that, okay, then it all makes sense. They kind of gave up a late first rounder this year to get a lottery pick from last year. And also, you have to remember too, a front office making a deal believes that, oh, our development team is better than their development team. So if Abaji hasn't seen his best numbers yet or has lived up to his potential so far, and again, after just one season, because we're really talking about one year in the league, right? If he hasn't lived up to that yet, well, maybe our development team can do it because look at our track record. We've developed guys. So I say all that to say, hey, I I don't mind that trade at all. And then Otto Porter Jr., that was, you know, that signing was not good. And now if Kelly Olenek's coming in, because you have to remember having vets matter. And if Otto's gone, um, obviously we know in the other deal, Thad Young's gone. You need some grown-ups around, right? Kelly is a grown-up who also happens to be Canadian. And yes, I know that that matters. And yes, in this era again, I'm not getting into the media rant, but what what people somehow think flies for media nowadays, which is just like a picture on Instagram. <laughs> and so you keep seeing all these pictures being like, "Oh, Team Canada, are we going to go get uh, Andrew Wiggins next, you know, and are we just getting these guys to be Canadian? Like, yes, we understand that there is more value in Kelly Olenek because he's from Kamloops as opposed to Otto Porter Jr., who's not from Canada. We understand that. But also, why are people mad at that? Like, if you're talking about a backup guy coming off your bench, like, why wouldn't you want to be it to be a Canadian that you can cheer for? When he's on the Raptors. And then also this summer when they're trying to win a medal in the Olympics. Why are people salty about that? And also they're salty about the RJ part of it. And RJ has lived up to his end of this trade so far. And I know RJ missed a bunch of games recently with the knee. And OG is now currently out for at least three weeks. And he's already been out for at least a week. So, I mean, yeah. Did I just fall for, you know, what I'm talking about, the the fake media in terms of like, are people actually mad at this or is this just tweets that I'm seeing? I don't know. But that was one of the trades. Kelly and Ochai did not play in this game, but. They were brought in, and I think that's really cool to see. Also, there's I should mention the reason I just paused there was because I knew there's something else I should mention. Abaji's father, there are ties to Masai Jiri. Masai Jiri has known their family for a while, and there's also ties there, which to me, instead of people looking at that as a negative, you should look at that as a positive because that lets you know. Like, the more information that you have on your players, the better. No? And so you know that he's a good kid. You know that he has a great attitude. You know his work ethic. You know he has good people around him that will foster a good environment as he, you know, delves more into his NBA career. But anyways, I just want to say I thought that trade made sense. And the other trade in terms of uh, they acquired Spencer Dimwitty from the Nets for Dennis Schroeder and Thad Young. Now that trade, I think that's Masai just doing a solid for Dennis Schroeder. Because, you know, he doesn't have to do that trade. They waived Spencer Dimwitty right away. And Masai doesn't have to do this trade. But I think that, you know, when he got, when he brought Dennis over, There are a bunch of things happening. Obviously, it was reactionary to them not bringing Fred back, right? So you re-signed You sorry, not re-signed. You signed Dennis Schroeder to a two-year deal. And with the intention, he thought he was going to be a starter. But the way that the season played out, and I mean, he was starting to start the year, but the Raptors struggled, and then he got moved to the bench. And dare I say he played a lot better coming off the bench, but... Obviously with all the trades that have happened, the Raptors are more in a rebuild mode than they are in a win now mode. Right. And so I think if you're Dennis and you're Masai, like the, the concept of which now you decided to make this, this, uh, this agreement in the off season has changes has changed, right? The terms in which you made it like he thought I'm coming to this team. I'm going to start, or at least have a good chance to start on a team that is trying to win. Well, that team has traded away OG and Pascal for younger players, and now they also brought in a point guard that could be their point guard of the future in which they've given the starting keys to, and now you're coming off the bench. So I understand why Masai made this deal. It's kind of like a good faith deal. Like, hey, okay, we'll, we'll send you someplace to where you'll be able to start or you'll have a better opportunity to start. I see nothing wrong with that. I also think that, you know, some people might wonder, like, does Masai have to do that? No, he doesn't. But I do think that a part that we don't fully understand is the tap dance that that goes on in terms of dealing with different agents your relationship with the agent world and the players and there's times where you'll do a favor for an agent because it'll come back around some other way right but i also think that if we pay attention to what's gone on with Masai post damar and listen everything's fine now we saw them hug the other night when damar was in town so we know everything's cool now but at the time There's a lot of slander thrown out from DeMar's side of things that he didn't feel like Masai treated him well on the way out. And that's not something that you want on your reputation as an organization. So if you pay attention to how everything else went in terms of how they dealt with Kyle, they didn't trade Kyle when they could have. They held on to him because they didn't want to trade him someplace he didn't really want to go. And they also said that You know, it's not that anything that was blowing them out of the water was offered up on the other end. So you hold on to Kyle and, you know, you basically allow him to go where he wanted to go, which was Miami. And hey, you were able to work out a deal. You got precious out of it, right? So it worked out. But look at how they handled Fred, right? They handled Fred in the sense of they could have traded Fred, but they thought he might have stayed. And they held on very long to Pascal and OG. And, you know, it wasn't until basically they had to trade those guys that they did. But essentially, what I'm saying is, Masai, you want to, as from Masai Ujiri's perspective, you want to be able to treat players well. You want that to have, you want that to be on your resume. You want a level of trust there. And if when you sign Dennis Schroeder, the deal was he was going to be a starter or at least compete to be a starter on a team that was trying to win, well, now things have changed. So I understand that deal. And I'm also glad that Spencer Dimwitty never suited up for the Raptors because they never needed that. I do want to say, though, shouts to Thad Young. Thad Young, like, I know it's weird because the Raps gave up a first round pick for Thad and then he's been here and, you know, first round picks a lot to give up. And he probably played now more than he did then when they first got him. He probably played better now than he did when they first got him. But he's a professional and he was a vet and he was always ready. Seemed like good peoples. Not mad at that young at all. But those are the moves the Raptors have made. And overall, when you look at what their roster is now, at least things are settled. And a big part of settled is your man's Bruce Brown. Bruce Brown also had a really good game today. And I think part of that is just finally knowing where he can lay his head to rest for the rest of the season. Bruce Brown had 11 points in this game, five of 13, not too good shooting, but he was active. He was all over the place. He was engaged. You saw him driving to the basket, getting buckets, screaming, like leaning in, He's fired up, right? Um, But I think Bruce Brown, now we will be able to see the Bruce Brown that they thought they were getting in that deal. You know, the Bruce Brown that if you're going to keep him, it's because he plays like that. He's energetic. You know, there's a little mean to him. As mentioned, right? You need to balance out your roster. And I think them keeping Bruce Brown also gives them flexibility. It gives them options. Teams are still going to, could want him and see him as value at the draft or in the offseason and if you keep him again he's a kind of dude that you probably need on your team that could start beside Scotty right or take some of the the matchup defensive matchups away from Scotty so that part's interesting that part's very interesting going forward Gary Trent Jr is also still here i'm interested to see what happens in the offseason with Gary because, you know, he opted in to this season and, you know, it's been an up and down year. It hasn't really been that good, great of a year for Gary, but I wonder where the numbers fall and if he and the Raptors can get to a number in which he comes back next year because he'll have a chance to start, obviously. But overall, I just think it's cool to see those Raptors team as where they're at right now in terms of this is a roster, this is the end of the season, Let's see how things play out. Another weird side side of this is I have no idea what happened to Chris Boucher's minutes. But yeah. And getting Kelly, I'm assuming that's not going to help Chris Boucher get minutes either. But yeah. That's a weird one. But either way, for the rest of the year, I'm assuming this will be your starting lineup still. Quickly, Trent, Barnes. RJ and Yak and your bench being some form of Bruce Brown. Grady has to get a lot of minutes the, the rest of the season just cuz. But also, how does Kelly fill it, fill in? How does Abaji fit in? Because Abaji, the other thing I didn't mention is that I think he can fill in and be that, like if they train him to be that prototypical three and D guy, that is perfect. Because that is exactly the type of player that you need besides Scotty Barnes and RJ and Quickly. It's exactly what OG and Anobi was. Except it won't cost you $30 plus million plus But hey, we'll see how it all plays out. That's my little spiel there on the trades. Uh, I should put that in the description, I guess, so that people uh, looking for my trade takes can get it or maybe i'll just cut it out and make it a separate video that's probably the smarter thing to do right uh anyways there's a bunch of comments in here as mentioned there was an argument going on i hope everything's okay and also feel free to comment if someone's like out of line like just give us a heads up and we'll get rid of that person but let's go first comment says undefeated after the trade let's go (laughs) I love that. I love that. And I totally agree. Also, I should mention that, you know, the people that are listening to this on the podcast version, first off, thank you for listening on Apple or on Spotify on the Canada Hoops daily page. Make sure that you rate and follow and subscribe all that fun stuff on Spotify and Apple. And of course, if you want to ever join us live, you can do so In a bunch of places including youtube and on instagram at the canada hoops daily page if you happen to be watching their live right now bless us with the like we appreciate that and also on the app formerly known as twitter you can find us there as well send in your comments and questions that's how you interact with the show live and you know we're at that part of the show so i'll get to some more comments Uh, Let's see. Here's a comment that says, I feel like our starting five started to build chemistry. Our bench needs some time though. Totally agree with that comment. This game was exactly that. The starters were rolling. As mentioned quickly in RJ and Scotty, Scotty obviously always comes out with his energy, but I felt like the starters came out and they were just ready to go. And Yak, the energy that he played with as well, You saw that, and they were running the Rockets out of the gym. And obviously, we know Fred wasn't there, but the Raps were up big to start this game. And, you know, after the first quarter, it was 34 to 20, a 14 point lead after one, right? Like, that's a great start, and that's your starters. And as our commenter points out, the bench, not so much. That's kind of what got the Rockets back in the game. It really didn't allow the Raps to blow out the Rockets because I felt like every time the starters came back in, the quickly RJ Scotty unit that worked. Scotty in the bench, not so much. So it's going to be interesting to see how Darko figures out the minutes going forward. Because one of the things we've talked about all the time, and I'll use the Raptors examples because I'm talking to a Raptors fan base. But if you remember, Kyle in the bench. That was the thing. Obviously we remember the bench mob, but that's like just having an embarrassment of riches in terms of depth, right? You can't always ask or expect your team to have that much depth, but you're going to need one of your starters to roll with that bench unit. And so far they've been trying to make it Scotty and maybe he'll get to that point. And maybe it's about the bench pieces fitting in around him in the right way. But so far, Hasn't really worked out, but we'll see, we'll see. And obviously for Scar- Scotty too, right? It's it's him getting used to having a different mindset depending on who he's on the court with, because his mindset's going to be different. You know, because we know he wants to facilitate first, so his mindset's going to be different. Playing with Quick, playing with RJ, playing with Gary Trent. But now if he's on with the bench unit, he's got to go. He can't be the facilitator, right? Like he's got to go. He's got to be the bus driver. Uh, Let's go. What else we got? Loved quickly's floaters. Also, we need Purdo. He makes a huge difference. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the L's the Raptors took this season obviously came with yak out of the lineup. So that's a big, 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 big thing. Uh, what else do we got here? Oh, here's a hater comment that says one on the road versus a crap team. And now another one at home versus another crap team that didn't have Van Fleet playing. Listen, all I'll say is you play who's in front of you. And the Raptors right now as a team, right? As a team, you can't look at any other team in the league and take them for granted. So, There's no team that you look at, like if you can't call another team crappy, if you're the Raptors, if you're in and around them in the standings. So a win is a win against anybody. At this point, you take those wins. I think that's super important. Uh, What else do we got? (laughs) Here's a comment that says no more selfish basketball of Fred and Schroeder. I disagree. Like I think it's tough to call guys selfish and listen, I liked Fred obviously, so I'd be classified as a Fred defender for sure. But um what I'll say is I think there's there's times where as a as one of those floor generals, you know when okay, I'm 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 facilitating, but now it's on me. I got to get these shots up. That's a little different. And that happens a lot, and that's when I think that's where you get those com those comments from, where people think Freddie selfish or or Dennis is shooting a shot at the end of the shot clock, and it doesn't look good, but it's just there, and you're handing him what he called the grenade right at the end of the shot clock. Um, what else do we got here? Someone, what else do we got here? Someone has to fact check. It's another story, though, that's based off everything off stats. Sorry, I'm jump, I'm reading comments here, but there's a, a full-on conversation debate going on back and forth. And so if I'm jumping into something, I'm kind of in the middle and don't have the context of it. <laughs> so <laughs> that's all right. That's all right. Let me see here. Here's a comment. I see my name, so I guess I'll read this one. It says the first. The reason I first listened to Sheldon is he was always an OG giving a balanced perspective even before the Raps won the chip. And I'm here for his take on the rebuild. I appreciate that. Um, Yeah, I just try to give a balanced opinion. Obviously, I'm from Toronto, grew up in Toronto, born and raised, uh, seen the Raptors from the beginning. I was a little kid when the Raptors started and so grew up with them and... You know, now work in the industry, heavily involved with that for a long time. So I feel like my opinion, you know, there's a professional opinion and there's some fan opinion within that as well, obviously. And I try to be honest about both. Um, And I also think that it's important to, you know, I think there's other things that I just see just because part of it's my job. So I try to give added context that might not be there. And a podcast is a perfect platform to give that added context because I can talk for five minutes about, you know, Darko's post game last night. I don't know. Uh, but thank you. I appreciate the compliment. And I appreciate you listening from way back, even before the championship. Appreciate that. Uh, what else we got? Confidence, IQ, talent, motivation, hustle. All these have combined with stats to determine a player's overall value. See, yeah, I'm jumping in the middle of that. My bad. I apologize. Um, there's an argument going back and forth here that I don't know what's going on here. So you know what? I'm just going to say that I hope that everyone continues to be um, positive in the in the chat. And it's fine to have a debate Or a discussion. But uh, just keep it polite. And I think for the most part. What I'm seeing here. Is that it's polite. I think. Uh, Someone says this trade is mind boggling. For asset management. Uh, We could have got something. Other than cap relief for him. Uh, I wonder who the him is. Maybe that is Dennis. Um, But I also think. I don't think that's the case. I feel like if that was the case, Messiah and company would have done that. Um, I also think that the trades that were made, like we're looking at it through the lens of, oh, the trade deadline and deadline day, like how come that's all we did? But if you add in everything that the Raptors did over the last month, that's a lot, right? Like going back to the OG trade, or I guess the OG trade happened at the end of December, right? Yeah, because RJ's first game was New Year's Day. So if you go back to when they made that OG trade and got RJ and got Emmanuel quickly and then also add in the Pascal trade and then add in getting Kelly and Abaji that's a lot of work Masai and company have done to revamp this roster now. That's a lot of new players. Because I haven't even mentioned, you know, Jordan Nawara, barely really mentioned Bruce Brown, but those are all like big pieces. That's a lot of roster turnover. So I think if we look at the trade deadline and in, and use all of the deals made, then it becomes a whole different story. But either way, huge shouts to all the people in the chat that we're able to have a good discourse, a good dialogue. We appreciate that. That's the purpose of the chat in regards to this pod, so I appreciate that. And again, a reminder, if you ever want to join the pod live, you can do so on YouTube and on Instagram. Just search for Canada Hoops Daily and on the app formerly known as Twitter. It is at Hoops Daily. You can follow me on the at formerly known as Twitter, at Shell Alexander on Instagram. Sheldon Alexander, of course, you can find, we did football picks, so Super Bowl pick pod is up as well. If you like that, just follow me on the socials. You can find that. Big, big game this weekend. I'm fired up. I'm hype. Lots going on. Lots of content everywhere. But thanks, y'all, for tuning in. And a reminder, big shout to the people who are the podcast crew on Apple and on Spotify. Thank you guys as well. Thank you. I shouldn't say just say guys because I know we have female listeners as well. And I appreciate y'all as well. So thank you. Speaking of, Chanel says it was awesome to have Team Canada vibe with RJ, Dylan, and Kelly in Toronto. It's just great. What a time, right? Like, I love that. Any chance I get, and I'll get a call from the production team that's like, hey, can you send us? Canada viz of RJ, or, you know, I was putting together, I had to like uh, cover the interview that Savannah did with Kelly Olynyk before the game. And so they send that down to us. And then I'm putting it together in the newsroom with an editor. And it's like, oh, they're talking about RJ and Kelly playing for Canada. And it's like, all right, cool. Now I got to go through and find some Team Canada viz of RJ popping his Canada jersey. I'm like, this is amazing. Like the vibes are just so high. I love it. So I agree with that comment, Chanel. Thank you for sending that in because we're keeping the Canada basketball vibes high. Speaking of, I got to mention the Canadian women's team, the senior team, they got a game Sunday morning in which they have to win to qualify for the Olympics. A massive, massive game. So make sure you get up and you turn that on on Sportsnet to cheer on our women so that they can make the Olympics as well and it's a big summer in Paris winning you're in it's as simple as that, who doesn't love that in sports and cheering for your country Team Canada vibes are high let's go ladies let's get the job done had to mention that before we end but thank you all for listening to this Wrap It Up podcast, we'll be back tomorrow as yeah, to remind myself yeah, there's another game tomorrow back to back for the Toronto Raptors, wow Um, hopefully I'll get my voice back by then, but in this one, the Raptors were able to win. They will go for three in a row tomorrow, but in terms of tonight, we'll celebrate that win 107 to 104 Raptors win Emmanuel quickly leading the way with 25 points RJ Barrett with 21, but yak in the middle, holding it down 16 points, 11 rebounds in six Blocks for Perto Big time performance there. Big time performance from the Raps. Huge shouts to Dylan Brooks, who almost dragged the Rockets back into this game at the end in that massive three-pointer that he hit. Speaking of Team Canada, we've seen Dylan Brooks do that before as well. But huge shouts. A great night of basketball for sure. Thank y'all for tuning in to this, the pod. We'll see you again very shortly. Thank y'all for tuning in. And enjoy your Friday night or Saturday morning wherever you, Whenever you're listening to this Because we appreciate that And as I always say, I used to pray for times like this To rhyme like this This is Canada Hoops Daily Presents Wrap It Up Podcast As always, unpolished And unapologetic Until next time, see ya